everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some of the things that you should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we just talk about the random shit we've seen over the last week. Like, have we done anything? Well, I had Monday and Tuesday off, which is the first time ever that I've taken two personal days in a row. How was it? Well... The first day was great. I didn't do a whole heck of a lot, but the second day was the first time I've run errands since March, and they were errands I had to run. I had to get my car registration stuff done. I'd take the cat to the vet. Um, In most cases, people were wearing masks, which I was pleasantly surprised by, especially when I had to stop by the DMV to drop off the paperwork after getting my VIN inspected. But there were also the people screaming at the DMV workers because they didn't have an appointment, and I just need to drop something off. But you don't have an appointment. But it's just one thing. Well, the Dropbox is right next to you. Well, I just just need to drop something off. Use the the Dropbox. It was ridiculous. None of this surprises me as someone who has worked with this exact public for years. Simple written or verbal instructions are beyond a lot of people. Yeah, it's really, really quite a bummer. But in general, people were being okay. The worst was I had to wait in line. Kansas makes you get your VIN inspected to make sure your car's not stolen because that's going to work. Yeah, because honestly, how often do you think that comes up? It's like, I just stole a car. Let me register it with the authorities. Yeah, and well, I mean, I'm sure most of it is cars they didn't know were stolen, but that is going to add a whole other can of worms. And even on the website, it says... Usually this just means somebody wrote down your VIN wrong. It's it's worthless. But I was in line in my car for two solid hours and the guy in front of me got his inspection and was told he was missing paperwork and had to try again. Oh no. Luckily, you know, I would have been able to hear if he was yelling. I had my window open and he was, he was fine. Because, I mean, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing that the lady could do that was up there. And she was perfectly calm, which was good. So, um, oh, poor guy. That sucks. Oh my God. It was awful. Especially if you had to take off work for that. Mm-hmm. And then the Trump rally in Tulsa <laughs> was yesterday. Oh, uh, it's like, was it Corona Palooza? Or, oh, Clandemic was the best one I heard. The Clandemic, yes. But only, what was it, 6,200 people out of his anticipated 80,000 or whatever showed up? Over, uh, over a million they were expecting. But <laughs> thank you, um, all of you teens on TikTok and K-pop fans that made this happen. You yeah. are the real heroes. Yeah, even though the tickets were first come, first served, even if he sold a million tickets and only 80,000 people showed up, he would have been disappointed. You probably made it some people didn't buy tickets because they were like, oh, a million tickets got sold. There's no way I'll get in. But mostly I think people just didn't buy tickets. Buy is being used. used, Reserve uh, a ticket. Reserved. But 6,200 people, even with those teens involved, I feel like that means there wasn't going to be a big turnout anyway. Nope. But I love that the teens conspired on this one. That's I'm very proud of you all. We adore Gen Z and no one will stop us. I, I love that Gen Z is finally starting to like go after the millennials because we deserve it. We know. But we're okay with you guys doing it because you're actually doing shit. And you're not awful yet. Hello, Fezzik. Hi, Fez Fez. You haven't been up here for a visit in a while. Hi. Fezzik is the one who went to the vet and he is on a diet now. If you've seen pictures of him on our Instagram, you'll see that he is a chonky boy. He's 21 pounds. Yeah, he has three feet and try as we might, he is not into playing. He is not into toys. He is very much into naps and treats. He is the goodest boy and he's on a diet now and he's been very good about it. But really, I mean, 
Things haven't been too exciting around no. here, so we probably should just dive right into Let's it. Let's dive right... Who gets to go first this week? Uh, this week, I believe it is episode 40. Episode 40? 40. 4-0. Wow. Um, our, our podcast is now old enough to become a Karen. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> we, last week, we talked about... I talked about phobias, and you talked about... Juneteenth. Juneteenth. So you went first, so I go first this week. Ooh. So, this week, my sources, Wikipedia, the Journal of Contemporary Religion, The Guardian, LilydaleAssembly.org, New York Times, Smithsonian, BBC, and the National Spiritual Association, Spiritualist Association of Churches, because I am talking about modern day spiritualism. I thought spiritualism, like, died out, like, in Victorian times. And see, and that's why I decided to cover this topic, because a lot of the things we learn about in school, we are only taught in the past tense. Not that we were taught about spiritualism enough to begin with, which is ridiculous because it was a major part of American culture for about 50 years. That's why I decided to cover this, though, because it's yet another thing that we were taught as in the past. Kind of like I left school, not left school, but left middle school thinking the KKK didn't exist anymore because all the photos were black and white and were talked about in past tense. Oh, no, they very much still exist. And it's a bummer. Yep. Lots of things from history are still around today. We just aren't told that. And spiritualism is one of them. Now, we've talked about spiritualism a few times on the show, particularly on our Halloween episode, which is episode six when Austin talked about Harry Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and in episode 32, when I talked about the Ouija board. And it's come up intermittently as well, just because it's a major part of American history, even though we never learned about it. Spiritualism, at its core, is the belief that people can talk to the dead via a medium, but there are other things about how we can reach into the other side, get assistance, things like that. When you hear about spiritualist seances, though, they usually mention a medium being involved. Like, you could use a Ouija board on your own, but a specialist was almost always used throughout history, and that uh, continues today in actual spiritualist practices. However, the word has taken on a broader meaning over the years, including the idea that people have some kind of supernatural force within them. For example, a soul. I was about to say the Long Island medium, but yeah, souls work too. (laughs) No, it's the idea that everybody has this supernatural force as a part of them. And so that doesn't necessarily mean you can talk to the dead, but it does mean that you have some kind of force within you that will continue to live on no matter who you are. Like much like the Celine Dion song taught us, your heart will go on. No, not your heart, just your spirit. Your heart will decompose just like the rest of you. Oh, okay. Probably pretty quickly. Yeah. Cardiac muscle doesn't last too long. I mean... I mean, stuff on the outside has to go first, I'd imagine. But mm-hmm. uh, but it's funny because most traditional religions have this kind of belief where you have some kind of supernatural presence within you that will live on afterwards. But they typically abhor spiritualism and consider it evil, despite the fact that they have this primary tenet in common. <laughs> spiritualism, when it's usually talked about, is in reference to the days of its popularity between the 1840s and 1920s. Though, of course, people have always believed in things like this from the beginning of mankind we didn't want to accept that the people around us were gone forever. We've never wanted to admit the people we love are gone. And from the 1840s to the 1920s, it was just like war after war after war after war after war. So it became this really big thing. And then there was a resurgence, of course, in the 1960s, 1970s, because war, 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 war. But I'm talking about today. I'm not talking about the past too much. The past will inform it. It'll come up a little bit, but I'm talking about modern spiritualism. 
So the National Spiritualist Association of Churches states that on March 31st, the anniversary of modern spiritualism is observed. In the year 1848, tiny raps manifesting through the mediumship of the Fox sisters at Hydesville, New York, announced to the world an intelligence personified beyond the grave, an intelligence that was accepted as based on natural law and not miraculous or supernatural as heretofore had been accepted. This fact distinguishes modern from ancient spiritualism. So ancient spiritualism is basically anything that happened before March 31st, 1948. Um, And that's anything that various cultures celebrated, even things like Joan of Arc and her communications with with the other side telling her to lead the French forces into battle. That's considered ancient spiritualism by the National Association, National Spiritualist Association of Churches. But okay, didn't the Fox sisters, who they celebrate the anniversary of, weren't they admitted frauds? Oh, I'll get into that. Oh, good. The Fox sisters, if you don't know, because I think Austin only brought them up briefly, were a pair of spiritualists in Hydeville, Hydesville, Wayne County, New York. They had developed a code of raps between themselves and the spirits they spoke to, particularly a peddler they said was named Charles B. Rosna. They found a peddler's pack that you can see in Lilydale, New York today, which they attributed to being his. They said that it was proof that he was real. Um, and then in 1904, kids who were playing in or near their cottage, which by then was called the Spook House and was kind of falling apart, they discovered a skeleton underneath the building. What? And a doctor examined the bones and estimated them to be about 50 years old. This is 1904. They started this in 1948, meaning that the bones would have been, the person would have been buried under the house around the time that they started doing this. (laughs) A few years later, though, another doctor examined them and said that it was a mixture of human bones from a variety of bodies, which I find way more disturbing. Yeah. But apparently there were like extra ribs and shit. Along with some animal bones, like chicken bones. What? So who knows which doctor was the one to listen to here. Uh, But that made people believe that this was a practical joke that was played by a neighbor in hopes that someone would find them. (laughs) Where did this neighbor get multiple sets of human bones? The bonatorium? They they took a trip to the bone zone. Ew. (laughs) It's not gross in this context. Actually, it's possibly grosser in this context. So 1848 is celebrated as the anniversary of modern spiritualism. Um, And then 1893, so about 126 years ago, the National Spiritualist Association of Churches was founded. So it's been around for 126 years, making it a fairly recently created religion. It started with a three-day convention in Chicago, and the goal was to organize the movement. But previously, they had been like in full rejection mode of any kind of organization because they didn't want to be lumped in with the other religions of the day, or I mean, most of which are still around, maybe all of which are still around, that were pretty, you know, adverse to what that they what they were saying and could also be very hostile towards other groups of people. They didn't want to be a part of that. But they started to realize that they were being persecuted and prosecuted for their beliefs. So they decided that combining into one organization could help them protect each other as well as improve on any abilities that they had. It was actually illegal in some places to tell fortunes. They, and in some places, they were also violating medical laws. I assume they're doing some kind of spiritual healing kind of stuff. <laughs> So they were getting together. They're getting those people like, how do I stop this prosecution that's happening? Or I'm being run out of town. Where can I come stay? That's why they formed this. Six years later. So that would be 1899. 
They created their set of six principles and they added some more later, with some being altered as late as the 90s and early 2000s. So they are still very much an active religion that reviews what its belief system is and what its policies are, for lack of a better word. Policies isn't exactly accurate because it's very much like a do-your-own-thing kind of religion, just don't be a dick. Okay. Which is the kind of religion I can get on board with. Oh, yeah. Like, don't be a dick to anybody and we're good. You can see some obvious Christian notes uh, throughout these principles, particularly those from Unitarianism, as one of the founders was a previous Unitarian minister. So the nine principles are, one, we believe in infinite intelligence. Two, we believe that the phenomena of nature, both physical and spiritual, are the expression of infinite intelligence. Three, we affirm that a correct understanding of such expression and living in accordance therewith constitute true religion. I kind of like that. It's like true religion is when you understand and live with, live the beliefs of the system that you're in. We affirm that the existence and personal identity of the individual continue after the change called death. We affirm that communication with the so-called dead is a fact scientifically proven by this phenomena of spiritualism. Okay. I'm sorry. I was thinking uh, the change called death sounds like a great emo band. <laughs> I felt like you wanted to say something and I wasn't I sure I did. Well, you just kept going. It's like, oh, okay. I'll you keep my thoughts Just inside. interrupt me. I can't. We have a new setup on the mic, so I can't see him while I'm reading. Okay. So just interrupt me. I'll just interrupt you more often. We believe that the highest morality is contained in the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Like I said, pretty chill religion. Okay, so those are the original six. And then seven, we affirm the moral responsibility of the individual and that we make our own happiness or unhappiness as we obey or disobey nature's nature's physical and spiritual laws. We affirm that the doorway to reformation is never closed against any soul here or hereafter. Now, I dug into that one a little bit, and basically that means no one cannot be quote-unquote saved. They don't believe in heaven or hell. They just think that any person, whether they are still living or not, can find some kind of atonement for the things that they have done. But it has to be through something stronger than just saying some Hail Marys and calling it good. You actually have to, like, do something good to make up for the bad that you have done. So, like, there's, like, ghosts trying to do good in the afterlife to try and make up for being a jerk? I mean, that's one of the things that they, that is in the theories of ghosts is that either, I mean, you've got the vengeful spirit, supposedly, but you also have the ones who have the unfinished business, which could, of course, be, which could, of course, be atoning for the things that they have done. Or, um, because they actually... Reincarnation is a whole thing here, but basically, yes, you can do things in the afterlife that will make up for the bad shit that you did. Or if you've been good your entire life and you just wanted like, you know what? Screw that particular person. I'm going to haunt them. It's like, can you like, like do that? It's like, I've built up enough points. I can haunt a guy. See, the ghost thing was actually kind of vague in all of this. It seemed more like you have to reach out to them rather than them reaching out to you. So actually, though, I wasn't able to find a whole lot about ghosts. But I figure that would be like a big part of spiritualism is ghosts. You can, it's about communicating with the dead and that the dead never truly die, but not in a Game of Thrones way. Oh. But it didn't actually say much about being haunted or having hauntings in any of my research that I did. Uh, Then there's the ninth one. Yep. We affirm the precept of prophecy and healing and divine are attributes proven through mediumship. So you can predict the future and heal people. And what was the, the and divine. divine, like that's like, the intelligence, the intelligence. Oh, good. I thought it was like the, the uh, famous drag queen divine that they based Ursula off of. That would be awesome. 
I feel like they that should be a part of this. I, I feel am, like that should be its own church. I'm starting that church. Okay. You, um, you've witnessed it. Please join it uh, by listening to this podcast. You have, in fact, joined it. I will claim you on my taxes. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, this list of nine principles reminds me a lot of the Apostles' Creed that we had to learn in Catholic school. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, the Creator of Heaven mm-hmm. and Earth. We believe blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That's what this sounds like. And I gather there's something pretty similar in Lutheranism. Yep. Uh, the primary difference between this... And the, our creeds and the religions we were raised in is the word proof or proven. At no point during the Apostles' Creed does it say proof. Greta Lestock, a physical medium, meaning she can do things like spoon bending, says, What makes us different from other religions is that we bring evidence that life continues. So part of their thing is they are not cool with fake mediums or people playing tricks to do this kind of thing. You ha- So one of the things they do is like suss out people who are faking. Their goal is to provide proof. Uh, and Greta is pretty cool. She's got like this Corolla DeVille hair. And she was also born to a Jewish family, raised Catholic, became Lutheran, <laughs> and is now a spiritualist minister. So she just like went through like the like the Judo-Christian like timeline. It's like started Judaism, went to Catholicism, then went to Lutheranism. Um, The article I read actually said that she was like many other people who live in a certain town that I'll get to, where they are in like their third or fourth life phase when they finally make it to spiritualism. So Ooh. you've gone through these other things and then landed on this making the most sense for you, basically. So the primary difference between spiritualism and other religions is that they believe in having proof, not just faith. They also have no text, so no Bible, and they believe that religion is personal to each individual. The church also says that spiritualism, oh, this is a quote, spiritualism is the only religion that harmonizes with science in every way. Not one proven scientific fact contradicts the truths that we teach. That's not wrong. Ooh. Think about it. Has science ever proven that somebody can't talk to the dead? No, they have not. And in fact, there have been times when they have tested it and been been unable to disprove it. And they have psychics who work with the police. So this is the one religion where no part of it has been disproven by science, is their claim. Now, I don't know if that's true that there is no other religion like that, but there is no part of theirs, as far as I could tell from my research, that has been disproven. Now, that could, and but of course, there is the whole faith argument for other religions. You don't need proof if you have faith. This is just a religion that needs proof. I am down with that because like, it's like, oh, you just have to trust us on this. Now give us 10% of your pay. Yeah, I also couldn't find anything about them requiring stuff like that. Nice. Um, Now, I'm not saying they don't, because I didn't go through every single one of their churches, but I think they basically expect you to not be a dick. An interesting thing, too, is that they believe that evil comes from ignorance. It's not like a choice or something you're born with. They think it comes from being purely ignorant. And so they don't believe in punishment. Now, they're not saying you shouldn't go to jail because you broke a law, but they're saying that you should find you are able to be you are able to make up for it. No matter how bad you were, you are able to make up for it. That's their belief. Okay, that's a good good belief. I'm down with that. But like, seriously, check out their website, which is nsac.org to learn more about it, because I can't possibly cover everything about this in one podcast. It's fascinating. They have this really long frequently asked questions page that seems to actually be answering frequently asked questions rather than they just rather than things that just promote their religion. Which you see a lot in FAQs, like, this is how we're going to promote ourselves. It's like, no, we're giving you straight forward answers to these questions we get a lot. Um, there's also a set of definitions they follow. Uh, some are covered in the principles I mentioned. The ultimate definition for spiritualism they decided on is that spiritualism is the science, philosophy, and religion of continuous life based upon the demonstrated fact of communication by means of mediumship with those who live in the spirit world. 
So that was the definition they adopted in, I think, 1919. Okay. So how many religions have, like, an actual definition? I really wish, like, if the Bible had, like, a glossary of terms in the back, it'd be so much better. Yeah, like, we were playing HQ this last week. And they had a question, it's like, which of these religions takes communion? And it was Buddhism, Catholicism, and Lutheranism. Now, we both assumed they were going for Catholics, because Catholics are definitely the most famous for it, because, mm-hmm. oh boy, do we like to brag about our communion. Oh, God. Also, okay, but Lutheranism does it, too. Yes. And out of curiosity, in Catholicism, we are saying that this is the literal blood and body of Christ. Is it symbolic in yours, or is it literal? It's kind of both. I honestly don't remember if transubstantiation is a thing in Lutheranism anymore. Thank you. I was trying to remember what the word was. Transubstantiation is very much a thing. But people were saying all Christians and Catholics do this. I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. Why do people think that Catholics aren't Christian? I think it boils down to we really hated the Irish and the Italians when they were first immigrating here. It's like, that's the thing is if each individual Christian sect, including Catholicism, were to give themselves a definition, they'd probably be almost identical. Yes. But they don't give you a definition. They just keep changing all the rules you're supposed to follow. Especially Lutherans, because we get a vote on them, and then we are very contentious people. See, when I was in Catholic school, we were told basically the Pope makes all the decisions and he is infallible, which I never really liked because... If a pope is, an infall- is infallible, why is the next pope allowed to change the rules? It's like, the pope is infallible. Then the current pope says, gay people are fine. And they're like, whoa! But the last one said they weren't. <laughs> one of you must be fallible. It doesn't make any sense. Nope, it And then not. we were also told that we had to agree with everything the church said or we had to leave. And I'm like, but the popes keep changing it! <laughs> anyway... They also, their other definitions include mediums, so people who are sensitive to the spiritual world and able to convey messages, spiritualist healers who can cure conditions through the powers of mediumship. So basically, they can like fix you using these spiritual means. Uh, they also believe in prophecy, which is, uh, of course, be able to tell the future, and clairvoyance, which is kind of like, kind of like mind reading. Um, like, I think literally from Latin, it's like far seeing, like yeah. seeing stuff that's like not near you. Yeah, and then they had a, a bunch of different things they believe in that all kind of just lump into where you would think they would naturally with this. So basically, if I believe it, it's probably a spiritualist belief, except for reincarnation. <laughs> Reincarnation's an interesting one with them. In the early 20th century, the idea of reincarnation became just popular. It wasn't any specific religious belief. People just started to kind of like this idea and start to believe in it. The uh, spiritualist church denounced this in 1930. They said that reincarnation does not jive with our belief system. But they decided to re-examine it within the last couple of decades. So they don't declare it as a fact, but they do allow it to be discussed. So they're not saying, absolutely not, you cannot be a spiritualist and believe in reincarnation. But they are saying it's still not part of our belief system. That's, that kind of fits with their like their listed tenets. It's like, well... Yeah, it's like, we can't prove that reincarnation doesn't exist. And there is lots of like proof of reincarnation like that has, has popped up over the years. So they might... Yeah, like there's some... They might accept it eventually. There are some fascinating stories of people able to tell these entire lives that were proven to exist afterwards. And I'm not talking like adults who grew up and researched something and declared it was them. I'm talking like three-year-olds who would tell these long stories and then they would, the parents would do some research and discover that even the names were the same as people who really existed however long ago because there doesn't seem to be some kind of time limit. But yeah, reincarnation is kind of where spiritualism and I might split. I'm not saying I definitely believe in any one thing at this point, but reincarnation makes sense to me. Yeah. And I mean, with all the ghosts I've dealt with, how can I not believe in this other stuff? It's like, I, it's like there is one story of, reincar- of reincarnation that you told me about. Is that the woman who was like basically like... The Egyptologist? The Egyptologist who was like, just knew everything because... 
and everyone's like, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's like, oh, she's right again. She's right again. We should just ask her before we do anything. Yeah, she was a complete, like from, she had a head injury, if I remember right. And when she like woke up, because I think she was dead uh, when she's like six or something, she woke up and she started like asking to go home and she would try to, she would like describe her garden to her parents and all that. And they were like, this is really weird. And then when she was a little older, this like Egypt exhibit came to town and she went there and she was able to explain everything and later went to Egypt and they would like quiz her on things that they had found but had not released to the public yet. And she was able to describe them in extreme detail. And then there was the gardens that I mentioned. She brought them out to where the gardens were and she's like, where are my gardens? Um, She had been like, I don't know if it was like the mistress or something of a priest, but uh, she ended up dying, I think at 14 in her original life. Um, Where are my gardens? Where are my gardens? And she was very upset. They were like, there's no evidence of gardens. This is the one thing we finally able to get her on. Yeah, a couple decades later, they dug down deep enough and found the gardens. (laughs) So yeah, there's like some pretty convincing stuff out there. Um, So I used to teach world religions. We focus on the major ones, Buddhism, Islam, Hindu, Judaism. Christianity was taught in a different year than mine. But of course, it came up a lot because the majority of my students, this being America, were Christian. However, between my years in Catholic school and the religion classes, plural, I had to take in high school and teaching this, they only covered the major tenets of Christianity and a few like little tidbits about the different versions. Like here's a tiny bit about Lutheranism. Here's a tiny bit about Catholic, a lot more about Catholicism actually, because, you know, destroy our worlds. <laughs> but they never mentioned Christian spiritualism. I think it's because it's new enough. They're waiting for this newfangled 100 year old religion to kind of settle down. Well, here's the thing. And this is kind of a side tangent, but I was reading about this and I just got really annoyed. A lot of kids especially girls, but boys as well, starting around middle school, they get really interested in things like Ouija boards and tarot cards and psychics and all of that. Many of these kids were raised in a specific religion that rejects these ideas. So in 2012, the Journal of Contemporary Religion reported that the idea that teens don't think about the mortality, because remember, we were told all through high school, oh, you guys think you're immortal. You don't realize that your actions could have fatal consequences. And we we were all like, that's bullshit. We are fully aware that we can die. They said that that is a myth. And at least 50% of teens believed in some kind of afterlife, but rejected the idea of someone telling them how to believe that. Pretty teenagery. Yeah. And pretty me. It's like, shut up. You can't tell me what to believe, man. Well, think about like a lot of these kids are raised in one faith system and then they get to this age where they start having questions. And then in 2014, The Guardian wrote an article. I I might not have listed them at the above, but The Guardian wrote an article about why kids get so obsessed. I mean, like teenagers get so obsessed with things like vampires and zombies and ghosts and death in general. And they posited that it's because their parents think this isn't wholesome enough and refuse to talk about it, almost like if they talk about it, their kid is going to die, or they'll encourage their kids to believe in things that go outside of their specific religion. So if your kid, you know, starts to think about the stuff, we brush it off, brush it off, saying it's inappropriate. Here's the thing, though. What was the most common thing we learned about in history class? Dead people. Dead people. And not just dead people, but dead people who killed people. Lots and lots of wars. Lots and lots of genocide. Lots and lots of that stuff. So we teach kids about it and don't allow them to process these ideas. And then if kids want to talk about it and they're told that's not appropriate, we can't talk about it, they want to talk about it more. But they can't talk about it, so they just start thinking about it and they start Googling about it. And that's how they get into things like vampires and all that. And also vampires and stuff is kind of a safe way to consider death. 
So brushing them off forces them to come up with their own ideas. It's actually doing the exact opposite of what hyper-religious parents want. When you tell them we're not going to talk about vampires, they're going to be like, cool, I'm going to learn more about vampires and start really believing in vampires. And the next thing you know, everyone has a cape and pale makeup and they're listening to The Cure nonstop. They're all Chanterelle from the earlier episodes of Buffy. Chanterelle? Chanterelle. The one that was the mushroom. Yep. Uh, in 2019, 65% of adults uh, in America said they identified as Christian. So ki- kids who are hitting 19 now were raised in a country where 81.6% of adults said they were, they were Christians. So 19 years ago, 81.6% of adults said they were Christian. Like I mentioned, a lot of Christianity rejects the idea of spiritualism, the other side, etc., which likely drives kids further into hiding because they're afraid of disappointing their parents. However, and this is why I went into, like, went off on the side tangent. Christianity and spiritualism are not mutually exclusive. They are actually like super similar in a lot of ways. So if you think about the, the a lot of the big things we learned about in Christianity, there was laying of hands for healing people. There was like the dude in charge of all of it rose from the dead three days later. There are all these different stories of people talking to people on the other side throughout the Bible. But in modern day, we seem to consider that evil, which makes the whole thing very confusing. While spiritualism has kind of just embraced all of that, there are Christian religions that embrace spiritualism. So if you have a hard, if you are a Christian, but you also have these spiritualist beliefs and you feel like really bad about reconciling them, you don't need to. Even on the actual website for the, the, one of the frequently asked questions was like, doesn't this, or can I do this without conflicting with the teachings of Jesus? And they said, a belief in spirit communication does not conflict with the teachings ascribed to Jesus. The The Christian Bible confirms its truth repeatedly. However, spiritualism is not a branch of Christianity or any other major religion. Spiritualism has been recognized by the U.S. Congress as a separate and distinct religion. It actually is a registered religion in the United States. So their own church seems okay with you being a bit of both, and you actually can find spiritualist Christian churches throughout the country. So there are actual churches that have combined the two and celebrate the two. Now I'm going to get into what brought me to this topic in the first place. Okay. I found this list of like 200 things you didn't know about. When we talk about modern religions, we also tend to talk about where, quote unquote, they tend to be. It kind of creates this us versus them mentality in a lot of cases, unless they're Christian religions, where we're like, oh, the Mormons are in Salt Lake City and the Amish are in... Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yeah, which is not the only place they are. Same with Mormons. And there also is no one place for spiritualists, but we never talked about the big place for the spiritualists, which is Lilydale, New York. Lilydale, New York. Yes. Where is that? Uh, Near Buffalo. Okay. Lilydale was not the home of the Fox sisters, but that's where their cottage actually ended up. They dismantled the cottage, (laughs) brought it over to Buffalo, and then brought it, I think, on a boat, and then brought it from Buffalo to Lilydale, and then rebuilt the cottage, and then someone burned it down. Huh. At least I got, it said it burned down, but I kind of gathered through some, like, between the line stuff that someone burned it down. Damn kids. The spot where the cottage was is now a memorial and meditation garden. So why Lilydale? Lilydale is a spiritualist community, much like the Amish communities and Mormon communities and places where people tend to be all be the same religion. That's what Lilydale is for spiritualists. It is also the home of the National Spiritualist Association of Churches. They have a population of 275. Oh. 52 of whom are registered mediums as of 2018. Ooh. So not every person who is a spiritualist is able to communicate with the other side. They simply believe that that communication is possible. 
in order to become a registered spiritualist with the church, and specifically in Lilydale, but anywhere, you have to go through a series of rigorous tests, including three readings, to prove to them that you are an actual medium before they will certify you. If somebody is not certified by the National Association of Spiritualist Churches, they there's a good chance that they are lying, um, except for when they are practicing a different version, like if you are going to somebody who, say, practices voodoo. Different religion entirely, but... S- you know, they still believe in talking to the other side. So just because they're not associated with the National Association of Spiritualist Churches doesn't mean that they can't do this. But if somebody claims to be a spiritualist but doesn't have that accreditation, they're probably bullshitting you. Hmm. Austin's over here like psychics aren't real. Yeah. So I actually got a New York Times subscription just so I could dig into this topic for you guys. So don't say I never got you anything. Um, Not just use mine. You won't use my Audible account. Oh, that's true. Because I don't, I don't want to support Amazon. They're a mo- they're monsters. But I want to support the authors and their audiobooks. Yeah. Not everyone in Lilydale is a spiritualist. You don't have to be a spiritualist to live there. That actually is kind of a common misconception about these communities, not just spiritualists, but any religious communities, that none of them will accept outsiders. Yes, you do have to be Amish to really live in an Amish community because the lifestyles are so incredibly different. But you don't have to be a spiritualist to there. In fact, their library director is a devout, for lack of a better word, atheist. She is awesome. But she also, she said that she finds spiritualism fascinating and she respects it as a belief system. So she maintains and grows their collection of rare spiritualist books. You cannot check these books out. You have to, you can only use them in the library. There are a lot of rare manuscripts, one of a kind pieces, all relating to their history and beliefs. So if I wanted to order something, you couldn't do it for me. Lilydale was founded in 1879 as a summer retreat location for spiritualists, and it welcomed everyone. Didn't matter if you were a spiritualist or not, including Susan B. Anthony. Susan B. Anthony was one of their frequenters. Yay! Another thing we never learned about her. Yeah. This was unusual, and we can't have anything unusual no, about a- our heroes. Apparently one of like the best Susan B. Anthony exhibits in the country is in Lilydale, New York. And she was not a spiritualist. She just was like, hey, I want to learn stuff because she often went to the nearby Chautauqua, which was a place for intellectual adults to meet. They still exist today. They do kind of an arts based education system for adults who want to like just learn new shit. In addition to their 275 current residents, many spiritualist practitioners and believers visit the town every year to hone their skills, learn new ones, etc. And of course, they have tourists, 22,000 of them per year. What? Now, like, in terms of, like, comparing it to New York City, that's not much. But this town has 275 people. That's a lot of tourists. And they maintain this town with 22,000 tourists every single year. Some people go just out of curiosity. Some people are like, hey, here's a place I've never been and it's nearby. Let's go. But some people are actually going there, like, trying to seek answers. Uh, Somebody who's recently lost somebody going there trying to find someone who can help them get that closure. Some also go for medical attention. Though the practitioners, of course, cannot call themselves doctors. They are called medical intuitives. And they say they can kind of see inside people's bodies and help them as healers. John White, a medical intuitive resident, said, We have to say that we are not doctors and that we know you're going to use common sense. Now, my thought on all of this is... If it makes you feel better, it makes you feel better. Yeah. It's not like, you know, taking fish tank cleaner and thinking it's going to cure you. This, I mean, if it works, it works. And if you're doing it in conjunction with 
some other type of treatment, that's great too. They don't seem to, like, they're not anti-medicine. Okay, that's good. It is not an anti- As far I as like, I can tell. I was terrified there's going to be like some homeopathic crystals or something. Oh, they do. Have, I mean, there are crystals and stuff, but yeah. nothing I read said that they are anti-medicine. They just believe that you can be healed or at least get assistance in this fashion. They will never tell you don't go to the doctor. In fact, their website, the Lilydale website, has a big like, here's what to do if you have COVID thing on it. It's not pray it away. Not pray, but it's not go to a healer. It's get mm-hmm. your fucking medical attention. Yeah. And the extra thing it's a really interesting thing because they do believe in things like healing. They do believe that you can speak to the dead. They do believe in prophecy, but they also believe that sometimes they get it wrong, which I never hear any other religion saying sometimes we get it wrong. No. So it's all that, it's that whole infallibility thing. Yeah. And now they did say that usually we get it right. Usually our mediums are good, but if they are having an off day, if they don't feel well, if they've done too many readings, they they might get stuff wrong. So here's some, then they were like, here's some advice for mediums who feel like they may not be able to do a good job. Basically, don't do it until you feel like you can. Uh, all right, back to the Fox sisters, the question you had at the beginning. The interesting thing is, like you said, they later admitted they made it all up, but spiritualists remain believers and the sisters are central to their belief and like adored within this town. There is a couple of things to consider though. The girls, Maggie and Kate were 11 and 15 at the time when they started hearing the raps and doing the communications. They were forced into basically becoming a freak show performance by their older sister Leah and their parents. And they spent the next many years touring the country, forced to put on these shows all the time. So when they became adults, both women became alcoholics because they couldn't handle or process the trauma. And this was the only life they only life they knew. They had no other skills, so they continued to do these performances. Then there come, we come to the them saying that this was all fake. We made this all up. Maggie was paid $1500 in 1888, which is about $40,500 today. For an interview with the New York World in which she talked about her anger at her older sister Leah and other spiritualists who were publicly criticizing her other sister Kate for her alcoholism and saying she was a bad mom. This was an anticipation of her speech where she would denounce spiritualism. She basically got paid to denounce spiritualism. Oh, okay. They both agreed that they had made the whole thing up and they had been exploited by their sister Leah over their entire lives. Perhaps, though, spiritualists continue to believe in them because Maggie later recanted the statement. Maggie said, this is all real. I never wanted to tell you it was fake. My spirit guides told me I needed to. It was kind of a, this is how you free yourself from these chains you've been in. Anytime that we've talked about the Fox sisters, it has never been brought up that Maggie recanted that statement. No, it hasn't. No. Maggie said, I felt compelled to say it was a lie so I could get my own life back. We never talk about that. Like they even came up briefly in history class a couple of times and it was like, but they said it was a lie. So it can't be true. We forget about the fact that a year later she said, yeah, no, that was the lie. I got paid. I lied about lying about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, honestly, I there's very few things like so I would like forty thousand like give me forty thousand dollars to say this. You okay? Yeah, there are some things I wouldn't say, but there's some things I absolutely. There are a would. lot of things I would. And Maggie would even secretly enter the Manhattan Liberal Club, where a lot of spiritualists hung out. She was actually banned from theirs because of her denouncing of them. So she went under a fake name, and she debunked people who were who were tricking others. <laughs> And this all sounds like bullshit because, you know, we never learn about this and blah, blah, blah. This must be from the Lily Dale or Spiritualist website, right? Right. No, this is the Smithsonian. Oh. The Smithsonian did this full report on the fact that they recanted their denial of it. Well, Maggie did. Kate died. Also, this is like, sounds like some crazy Jerry Springer shit because like, 
They're talking about how she's a bad mom. This entire, like, Fox sister thing could have taken place in a Facebook mom's group. Oh, yeah, 100%. So Lilydale holds a 10-week-long convention that teaches people different things about spiritualism every summer. Probably not this summer. They welcome visitors, and they are a friendly, welcoming community to everyone. They expect you to behave in the same way when you go. They will kick you out. (laughs) They expect you to basically not be a jerk. They have a museum, that research library, four spiritualist churches, a bunch of different shops, psychics you can visit, hotels you can stay in. You do have to purchase a pass to enter the town, but they've got passes like day passes and week passes and overnight passes, all that. I'm willing to pay it. I'm willing to go to this place. This sounds like Salem on steroids. Yeah, this sounds kind of Salem is really cool. I've been there, but I didn't get to spend enough time there. Like, if we ever go to Massachusetts, we're going to spend a couple of days in Salem as opposed to the eight hours I got to spend there. But this sounds really cool. So in summary, spiritualism is not a religion of the past as it is so often stated to be. It is alive and well. There are churches, if I counted right, in 22 different states and many more throughout the world. Apparently it's a big deal in Britain. The nearest one to us is in St. Louis, so we'd have to go four hours. And as of 2009, which is the most recent one I could find, the BBC reported that there were 350 churches or centers in total with over 16,000 members. Okay, that is not a small organization. No, it's not a huge religion. It's not Christianity or Judaism, but it's not a tiny religion either. I mean, it's bigger than the one that I started in worship of myself in high school. I was a member of that. Yeah, everybody had to have a smiley face drawn on their arm. Yeah, I was, I believe I was inducted into it. You just drew one on my arm and said, you're in my religion now. That sounds about right, yes. Yep. I actually didn't start it. I can't remember for sure who did, but somebody else started it for me, and then I just rolled with it. <laughs> it sounds like something, I think I know who did it. Mm-hmm. Sounds sounds like a very Nicole thing. Mm-mm. Oh. No, I know that for sure. Um. All right, are you ready some questions? I am ready for questions. All right, will this be on the test? Spiritualism is still around. Yes. You can, in fact, be a Christian and a spiritualist. I'm going to say no, because that's a can of worms that a Karen will attack (laughs) you for. The Fox sisters recanted their statements denying uh, spiritualism. Yes. (laughs) We never learned that. Even on podcasts specifically about this. Yeah. Well, it should, if we're learning about this on the test, that'll be on the test. There's a whole town of spiritualists. Yes. And you should talk to your damn kids about death and other scary things. No. All right. So that is a very brief overview of the history and remaining influence of spiritualism. Wow. That was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Like we always hear about it in the past tense. Like look at these things that crazy people did in the late 18 and early 1900s. Yet no people are still doing it. And it honestly sounds like a really nice religion to be a part of. I mean, I'm not telling anybody what to believe, but their whole thing is, You do something bad, you make up for it. And we are here for discussion and we want proof and we don't like people making up stuff about us. And like the this infinite intelligence sounds a lot like the deity from most other religions to me. It's just especially, you know It's just broadly defined. Yeah. Um, where Christians it's you are made in God's image, which means that part of this God is in all of us. They just call it the infinite intelligence. And it's in part, it's part of it is in all of us. And just like in Christianity, that part lives on afterwards. 
It's not that different. Just this one is looking for proof and is trying to display that proof and is also like pretty chill with everyone else and has yet to start a war. Yeah, I was kind of worried. It's like, oh, cool. We're going to be talking about another cult. I hope this one's more interesting than the British sex cult that was really boring. No, I mentioned this time. I was like, hey, I'm doing spiritualism this week. And man, it lines up with a lot of the things I think. And he goes, God damn it. This is the day my wife joins a cult. And I'm like, no, this is absolutely not a cult. You wait until I tell you about it. It is not a cult. And I think I've convinced you. Yep, it's not a cult. Yeah, we we know, we've met cult members. Yes. Um, there is a big difference between this and what cults do to you. For instance, you can leave spiritualism anytime you want. <laughs> yep, and I'm assuming they're not locking people in a room to pray 24 hours a day. No, although they do have it sounds like some like massive meditation things that they do that last a long time. But no, you are never going to be locked in a room by the spiritualists. They are not going to beat you with sticks. And it doesn't even sound like they make you go around trying to preach to others, hmm. which is kind of nice because I feel like too many religions do that's that. All, that's really all I ask for in religion is like, don't, don't try and teach me this stuff. Yeah, it's like, without me asking. Yeah. If I have questions, I love, I love people like talking about the things they're passionate about, the things they believe in. Awesome. Please don't come up to me and be like, have you heard the word of spiritualism? They wouldn't do that anyway, yeah. but... Have you heard the word of Cthulhu? Of course I have. Oh, I've read I've read your future. It's very bad. But for me to tell you the rest of it, you have to join my church. Yeah, and there's psychics in Lilydale. You do have to pay them, and it is not cheap. Um, as of a couple years ago, it was like 50 to $80 for a half hour. But I've never been to a psychic, believe it or not. I Ooh. mean, I ran into one in a store once who was talking to me. That was... You, you've seen him around. And yeah. you've seen how I kind of like cringe in on myself he's lovely it was just really bizarre and like he like he was able to like know my birth date it was weird yeah but you they do charge you but i feel like if they knew that there was something that you could fix and that was that's part of it too is i don't i kind of gathered again this is me gathering from a myriad of sources uh, i kind of gathered that prophecy is a imprecise and b you can't necessarily do anything about it so they're probably not going to walk up to you and be like you're getting hit by a train tomorrow bye <laughs> This is why I should not be a psychic, because if I was, I would absolutely do that. It's like, you're going to get hit by a train tomorrow. I wouldn't wear those shoes. Those are nice shoes. Can I have those shoes? Nobody's stopping you from doing that without being a psychic. Oh my god, I could get so many nice things from people. It's like, hey, you've got a nice coat. Um, you're about to be hit by a train tomorrow. Can I have your coat? You'll Rude. ruin it. Rude. This is why I'm a bad person. Rude. And But don't worry, I'm not the worst person. <laughs> because we're going to talk about some... So we've been talking about lots of very serious stuff. And I'm going to talk about something... Completely awful and horrifying and just bad. And I'm going to talk about nutmeg. All right. We don't learn about nutmeg in school specifically. And I don't think we should learn about the history of one spice. But it does relate to the truly ugly side of colonialism that we do not learn anything about in school. Do you want to know why I think we shouldn't learn about it? Why? I I don't know anything about what you're about to talk about. But I was a middle schooler once, as were you. Mm-hmm. If something came in a powder form, the boys snorted it. Yes, I'm actually going to talk about that, too. Like, they would snort the pixie sticks. So for them to talk about nutmeg, you know they'd bring in nutmeg. And you know the boys would snort it. And you know those sinuses would get destroyed. Yep. Well, nutmeg, uh, it's a wonderful spice. It is a nice, warm spice. I associate with things like Christmas, pumpkin spice lattes. I love pumpkin spice lattes. Nice fall days. Love me some Ugg boots, too. Yep. Come at me, bro. And it also has a brutal history of war, genocide, brutality, and slavery. We learned that about salt. Yeah. A little bit of backstory about this. The Dutch East India Company, uh, which was founded in 1602. The thing from Pirates of the Caribbean. That was the British East India Company. This is the Dutch one. Oh, okay. Um, it, 
it had about 50,000 employees, their own private army, and about 200 ships. It was the biggest commercial investment of the time and regularly brought in a 40% return on investments, which is a lot. So how they did that was built mostly around their monopoly on nutmeg. Um, Not only was nutmeg a good spice that smelled good, tasted good, and could cover up the smell and the odors of rotting meat, which was important before you had refrigerators, Mm -hmm. it was also believed to have powers to cure or prevent the plague. I feel like a lot of things were believed to have those powers. But this was because of the miasma theory of disease in which Mm -hmm. bad smells cause disease. Mm -hmm. Well, this smells good and smelled good for a long time, so it could prevent diseases. Okay, question about the miasma theory. Yeah. If something smells bad to you personally, does it cause disease? Or conversely, does it negate its curative powers? Like, if I didn't like the smell of nutmeg, under that theory, will it not save me from the plague? I don't know. I have not studied miasma theory that in depth. It's like... Some people really like certain smells that other people don't. And I feel like that needs to be factored in here. Yeah. Also, uh, here's a note on nutmeg. When you get it at the store, it's usually ground up. But like in its raw form, it's actually like a solid nut that you have to like grate against something. Yes. So, its name is Meg. Its name is Meg and it is a nut. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel like ground up powder. Sometimes you feel like ground up powder. Women would actually carry around sachets of nutmeg like to hold up to their mouths when they're in bad smelling areas to prevent the plague. Do you think that people would be more willing to wear masks if they smelled good? Maybe. Like, right now, people are refusing to wear masks. Maybe if they smelled good. Ooh. We, that, that is our new company. We are going to start a company where we make masks that you can put nice smelling sachets in so you can still wash them, but the filter in the middle smells like potpourri. That's a brilliant plan. We could make millions. We could make millions. And of course, men would actually mix nutmeg into their snuff and snort it. Oh. That sounds awful. I didn't. I thought you chewed snuff. No, you you snort snuff. Hmm. You chew. Uh, you chew chewing tobacco. I thought snuff was something. No, snuff. I thought it was what you put in your cheek. No, snuff. You actually snorted up your nose. Hmm. That's what Benjamin Franklin was all about, which is why Benjamin Franklin would have done all of the cocaine. See, I feel like on our episode where I talked about that president's wife, which president's wife was it? Dolly Madison. Dolly Madison. I feel like I talked about her sharing snuff with them and they did not sound like they were snorting it. Yeah, you snort snuff. It sounded like they were putting it in their cheek. Anyway, uh, of course, we can't really judge them on their using nutmeg to cure a plague. No. Because uh, we've been... People have been saying that we should shove UV bulbs up our butts, mm-hmm. uh, inject ourselves with bleach, mm-hmm. and that hydro- that whole hydro- hydroxychloroquine crap. Yeah, and I understand where the hydroxychloroquine came in. I actually do. Uh, sorry, and hydroxychloroquine. That's, yeah, what, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. um, I understand where it's can- where I understand why people thought that. I don't understand why they were why the president mentioned it before it was tested. Um, one of his advisors invested in a company that manufactured it. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. That explains all of it. It's like, we don't have a lot of room to judge them for this. Also- they were doing the best they could with the information they had. Yep. Also, um, hydroxychloroquine has been debunked by multiple sources at this point. They tested it. They actually did test it. And a few people did improve, but a lot of people got worse. Yeah, it did not- It showed no significant signs of improving people's conditions. So, that's tangent aside. Back to nutmeg. So it was a big marketable thing that could be sold for thousands of times That's what they purchased it for in Europe, partly because it was a good spice and partly because it had these curative powers and people would pay a premium to have nutmeg. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it only grew on a small chain of islands in the South Pacific near Indonesia called the Banda Islands. Okay. The Banda Sultanate had a policy of free trade for the longest time in which anyone could come there to trade. And because of this, they avoided a lot of European powers like putting garrisons there and really like conquering them. That all changed when the Dutch, um, after their spice monopoly had been taken away by the Portuguese and the Spanish after like some things happened, they were trying to get back into spices and they saw their opportunity with nutmeg. Mm-hmm. So they were going to, first in 1609, they went in to negotiate with the Bond Islands. During the negotiations, several Dutch officials were lured off into the woods and killed. They were being, by all accounts... Lured off by the delicious smell of nutmeg? Delicious smell of nutmeg. No, so they were killed, and the Dutch retaliated and destroyed boats and looted villages. Later... Is this why Austin Powers hated the Dutch? Yes, because of their colonial atrocities. There are two things Austin Powers hates. Intolerance and the Dutch. Intolerance of other people's cultures. And and the the Dutch. Dutch. Later negotiations resulted in a Dutch monopoly on nutpeg and Dutch <laughs> authority. Sorry. Nutpeg. Nutpeg. Nutmeg. <laughs> and a Dutch authority over the islands. So they ended up getting their way after they killed a bunch of people and basically burned down the place. Over the next tier- 10 years, they exerted more and more control over the Banda Islands, usually via brutal reprisals and enslaving people. Sure. Uh, in 1621, they had near total control of the islands, but were worried about native uprisings and English influences on the islands. So they t- took some precautions. They killed every man over the age of 15. That makes sense, yes. Uh, village leaders were decapitated and their heads were displayed as a warning to people. A warning of what? Don't mess with us. A warning of don't turn 16? Yeah. <sighs> Nutmeg trees were only allowed in closely guarded plantations and all other trees were destroyed. People caught with nutmeg seeds or trees without permission were killed on sight. And like killed on sight, like, yeah, like if, if you were caught, carrying around your nutmeg tree. Yeah, if you had nutmeg and you were if you were you were caught with nutmeg, they would kill you. How did they determine if it was nutmeg? Did they like smell you first? Yeah. Or did they like if they just saw some dirt on you, they assumed they had, it was nutmeg. Yeah, it's like, well, who knows? They would kill people with nutmeg, and they also uh, treated all of the nutmegs like nuts leaving the island with lye, so that there was no chance they could be replanted anywhere else. But could you ingest it after that? Yeah. Huh. I mean, this was the olden times. I guess you could just wash it off and, like, maybe someone would die, but that's their problem. Wait, isn't that how they make lutefisk anyway, though? Yeah, that's how they make lutefisk. <laughs> lutefisk is disgusting, but if you ever have a chance to, sm- to smell Says it... Says the guy who made me try pickled herring. Pickled herring's delicious. Lutefisk no. is a nightmare. Okay, I love pickled herring. Imagine how bad lutefisk must be if I cannot take lutefisk. During this time, the native population dropped from somewhere around 15,000 people to 600. Okay. Yeah. They um, wanted to replace the natives with more compliant, like, Dutch settlers. So mm-hmm. they just killed them. Yeah, that sounds like, that's, that sounds about white. Yeah. However, the English also had a colony on the small island of Run in the Banda Chains that could also grow nutmeg. Uh, it was only about two miles long by half a mile wide. And you couldn't really get ships up to it. You could only get small fishing vessels to it during the high tide. So it was a small island that wasn't really good for anything. But you could grow nutmeg on it, and the Dutch wanted their monopoly. So they went to war with England. It took them four years of fighting to actually take this island from the English. And it resulted in two Anglo-Dutch wars that went on for about 40 years. (laughs) 
All over nutmeg. All over nutmeg. Although if you've seen me on the first day of pumpkin spice latte day, I get it. Yeah, that's so imagine like I'm just I'm imagining all of the Dutch people in their Ugg boots and their hoodies talking about how much they love fall. And then they go after someone with a musket and bayonet. Yeah. Just I, just like you. During- that's what I would do if I could get my if, if somebody was threatening my ability to have a pumpkin spice latte, I'm going to go full musket on them. Yeah, I've seen her do it too. It was like, what do you mean it's you're not serving the pumpkin spice latte anymore? I will have at thee, good sir. <laughs> I've actually never gotten mad at them for not having it anymore. Yeah. I did walk in the first day and they said, how can I help you? And I said, I think you know. And they're like, okay, how large do you want your pumpkin spice latte? <laughs> <laughs> you do have the look of pumpkin spice latte about you. <laughs> it's like, especially right now, you're wearing like pajama pants. You've got your, ho- your hair kind of up in a messy... Messy no, bun type it's not thing. a butt. Okay, it's a messy ponytail. Yeah, my I have short hair, and I have not been to the hairstylist since February. At this point, like when we shut down, it was about time for a haircut, and I my lungs are too bad for me to risk it. So that's the this war went on until the Treaty of Brenda. Sounds like it should be about Karen. Brenda yeah. sounds more like a Karen. Brenda was the Karen of the 1600s. Oh, okay. So in which the the Dutch traded the island of Manhattan to England in, in, in to secure their nutmeg monopoly. We never heard about the Dutch having control of Manhattan. Yeah, the Dutch were the original owners of Manhattan. That's why Not it used to be, once was that mentioned. That's why it used to be New Amsterdam. Not once was that mentioned. I never even heard it referred to as New Amsterdam. Yeah, the Dutch used to own Manhattan. Like according to my history classes, it was... The British and then the Americans who somehow were not also the British. Yeah, the, um, the basically the chain of ownership is like, you know, the Dutch bought it for beads. Then they traded it to the English for nutmeg. Then the Americans just took it because this is America, damn it, and we have guns. It's like that episode of The Office where Dwight decides he's going to get the biggest thing at the uh, at the garage sale by starting with a paperclip. <laughs> and then he ends up with the um, Miracle Legumes or nutmeg. Yep, nutmeg. And then, of course, as you all know, in the... Is nutmeg a legume? No, it's it's not a legume. It grows on trees. Oh, that's a bummer. Then, of course, as you know, in the 70s, the uh, Muppets took Manhattan. Yes, and we should just let them have it. Yep. It's like, I think the Muppets would be managing New York City way better than NYPD at this point. Except for Gonzo. Oh my god, can you imagine Animal as a police officer? See, I'm more worried about Gonzo being, like, the governor of the state or the mayor because he's off hanging out with Epstein and you just know it. Not only does Gonzo fuck chickens. Yes. He also fantasized about a cow in one of the movies. Yep. So, Gonzo's problematic. You should cancel Gonzo. Cancel Gonzo. Hashtag cancel. Hashtag cancel Gonzo. Gonzo is super gross. He's the creepiest Muppet. And that's including all of the other Muppets. I... Dr. Teeth. I fucking love the Muppets. Like, I love that it's like this irreverent... I mean, I'm not talking about Sesame Street Muppets. I'm talking about Muppets. It's like this irreverent thing. It's, it's just so clever. And I love it. But yeah, Gonzo's gross. Gonzo is disgusting. So, yay, you think happy ending. They got their nutmeg monopoly. They all, all they had to trade was the greatest city in the world for it. But nope, it was not a happy ending for the Dutch East India Company. Because mm-hmm. they pretty much went bankrupt after a bunch of things happened. I mean, you sell the only thing you have, you're going to go bankrupt. Yeah. First of all, a uh, French horticulturist named Pierre Pauvet, or also known as Peter Pepper. I like it. 
uh, managed to smuggle nutmeg plants off of the islands. And eventually they ended up thriving in the Caribbean. So their monopoly was gone on nutmeg after that. A volcano also erupted nearby and the resulting tsunami wiped out many of their plantations. Wait, where are we talking about now? The Banda Islands. Where's that? uh, Near Indonesia. Okay. Uh, And then in 1809... During that whole Napoleon thing, the the English took control of the islands back from the Dutch by force and then spread nutmeg plants all over India, Sri Lanka, and Singapore. In my mind, they're just like dropping it from planes like Agent Orange. Oh no, they didn't have airplanes back then. They fired it out of cannons. Oh, okay. God. It's like, I can't imagine that horrible anachronism. (laughs) They had their carrier pigeons do it. Yep. Then eventually they gave control of the islands back to the Netherlands in 1817. And of course, then uh, the loss of the nutmeg monopoly, along with a bunch of other just really boring political and economic factors that I'm just not going to get into. How much more exciting would the game of Monopoly be if it was like, could end in war? That's what risk is. That's not Monopoly, that's risk. Yeah, but you just like, Monopoly leads into risk. So whoever wins Monopoly gets Asia. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fair. So, have you, did you Grand. not read the rules of risk, Riskopoly? I sent them to you in the PDF like last week. That thing was 300 pages long. It was 300 pages front and back. Thank you very much. Front and back. So technically was it was- I was on a I'm not going to read it. It was 600 pages long. I was on a break. We were on a break. Wait, are you Ross in this situation? Ross and Rachel were, in fact, on a break, but it did not give him the right to sleep with somebody that same night. You did not establish the rules of said break, nor give it enough time to decide whether or not it was a real break or a fight. Yeah, and Ross sucks. It's been a while since we talked about how much Ross Geller sucks. Oh my god, he's the worst. Ross Geller is the worst. It's like, I feel like if Ross Geller were in the Dutch East India Company, he would have decided to, like, you know, do all of the genocides and massacres. Well, they took his sandwich. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The Banda Islands, Sandwich Islands. Actually, these aren't the Sandwich Islands. Sandwich Islands are a very different place. <laughs> so yeah, the, uh, they eventually, the dust, they collapsed into bankruptcy and stopped being a big economic power. And the Dutch were never the like big movers and shakers in Europe again, sadly. But pot is legal there now in Amsterdam. So go nuts. Good, but don't go nutmeg. Don't go nutmeg. That sounds dirty. <laughs> So want to hear some bonus nutmeg facts? Sure. So uh, Connecticut is known as the nutmeg state, but not because they grow or ship nutmeg there or really love nutmeg. It's that early traders actually carved fake nutmegs out of wood and would try and sell them to gullible people. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's also- kind of like how Oklahoma is the Sooner state and it's named after a bunch of cheaters. Yeah. So Connecticut's just as bad as Oklahoma. Also, we're the sunflower state. Where are the fucking sunflowers? We have some growing in our backyard. Yeah, because we planted them. Yeah. Where are the sunflowers that are just there? I don't know. I don't think it's real. I don't think they're... You don't think sunflowers are real? I don't think sunflowers occur naturally. No. Just like possums? Or was it? Armadillos. Armadillos. Armadillos are made possums by Disney. Possums are real. Armadillos are made by Disney, the Disney Corporation. Yes, a friend of mine came up with that. And yep. I, I mean, have you ever seen a live one? No. And also, a few years ago, around the same time as the Tide Pod things, there was the Nutmeg Challenge. Oh, God, I remember. Yeah, um... My students were getting the heat for that. They were like, we know how stupid that is. We like our sinuses. Thank you. First of all, nutmeg can act as a hallucinogen, but it will ruin your week. Like you will have heart palpitations, intense pain, like trouble breathing. Like it will ruin your sinuses. And in the doses, 
in which it can cause hallucinations, which can last for days and are not good hallucinations. These are bad trip hallucinations. It is enough to poison and kill you. Yes. So do not use nutmeg as a recreational ju- drug. Only grate it gently on upon your pumpkin spice lattes or use it in pies. Why am I grating anything on my pumpkin spice latte? I purchased that pumpkin spice latte as is. Well, clearly you need to have a fresh nutmeg nut in your pocket and okay. a little grater so you can grate some fresh nutmeg onto things. No. I'm making hand gestures. This looks really dirty, especially where my hand is. Yes. Why am I keeping doing this? I don't know. <laughs> Are you ready for some questions? Yes. Questions about nutmeg? Yes. All right. Will the fact that nutmeg was once considered a cure for the plague be on the test? Yeah. Will the fact that the Dutch uh, murdered their way to a monopoly for nutmeg be on the test? Yeah. Will the fact that New York was in fact traded for nutmeg be on the test? No, we never even learned that the Dutch had control of that. It's like the Dutch had control of New York. And will the fact that nutmeg can get you high, but only in doses that will kill you, be on the test? Health class never talked about this. We only learned about PCP. PC, we only use other drugs. I mean, PCP. We haven't taken DARE in a long time. Do you think PCP? Do you think DARE classes now have a section on nutmeg abuse? DARE doesn't exist anymore. Oh, thank God. That was the worst. Yes, they realized that and they ended it. Ugh. Hello. I've got Fezzik tapping me on the leg now. Hi, Betty. Yeah, he's a good boy. Come here. I'll pick you up. Ah, you so, weigh 700 pounds. Don't worry. He's on a diet because we are bad pet owners. Oh, good boy. So those are my questions about nutmeg and the nutmeg wars. And I'm so glad Ross Geller came back. I think I know why he hadn't come up in a while. And it's because they took friends off of all streaming services. But it's okay. I just bought the DVD set. Although if we got HBO Max, it's on there apparently. Okay. But HBO Max, it's uh, it's more it's about on par with Netflix, and we already have Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and Broadway HD. Yeah. And Amazon Prime. I think we've got enough streaming services. Yeah. So I bought the DVD set. So Ross Geller will be making a comeback. His sandwich. Oh my God! Do you think he'll do what was what, what, what they call their dance? It was the the routine. The routine. Oh my gosh, the routine. We should learn the routine. Okay, was their relationship creepy to you? Incredibly so. Like, it's one thing to be close with your siblings, but that relationship, like, they would hang out on the couch and he'd have, like, his arms around her and she'd be snuggled in and it's weird. It's weird, right? It's super weird. So, the, I will occasionally, like, joke with her brother, like, like, oh, we're super close. My brother. With her, and we'll be like, oh, we're super close. We're best friends. Just to mess with his wife a little bit. And me. And her. And it's like, we... To be creepy, don't go nearly as far as Ross and Monica did. That, that's too far. We could never do that to anybody. That's just gross. Yeah. And not because you're two guys. It's because you're related. It's because it's because we're related. Like, even though it's by marriage, you're still related. Yeah. He's my bro. He's my brother. You hear that? Austin would leave me for him in a second. Oh, I wouldn't leave you for him. Yes, you would. Like, don't make me choose. <laughs> So what did you learn this week? I learned that Zumbi is going to be our obnoxious wandering podcasts. Usually it's Draco, but this time it was Zumbi. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about nutmeg? Well, what I would like to learn is how people figured out that you can snort it to get high, but... I'm, have you have you met bored teenagers? I don't feel like teenagers figured that out. Yeah. Have you met bored college students? It's like... Frat boys. Frat boys. It's like, dude, I'm going to eat this entire container of nutmeg. No, I think we've made it pretty clear that I, that I learned that the Dutch owned New York. Yeah. And... I learned that spiritualism is not a cult. It's actually a fairly reasonable religion. Mm-hmm. 
Now, granted, I'm sure, like with any religion, if I dug real deep, I could find some culty, creepy step, uh, shit. Yeah. But from the several sources I looked at, it kind of seems like, at worst, at like the closest it gets is being a bit of a hippie cult, let's have a commune situation. Yeah. And that doesn't hurt anybody. No. They actually don't allow any illegal drugs on their uh, in the town either. So, huh. so they are not that level of hippy dippy. Wow. And you also, I mean, visitors cannot be on it or bring in alcohol. I cannot tell if the people in the town are not allowed to have it, but... Hmm. Maybe that's like like spe- specific festival rules. I don't know. No, it's like guests can never bring those things. Oh. So I'd imagine though, like, I don't think New York has it legalized anyway, but it kind of yeah. seems like they frown upon such things. Not as a principle, just within the town. Okay. Um, hmm. Yeah, it was, it was like, I want to go there. It sounds like, actually, it does sound kind of fun. I'd like to go to this festival. Yeah, like, well, no, it's, it's not a festival, Austin. It's a town. No, but they ha- you said they had a festival there. They have a 10-week-long set of seminars. Oh, okay. I was, I was imagining something like a carnival. <laughs> no, this is their lifestyle. This wow. is all year. You go. You can go and, like, I wouldn't go in the winter because of all the snow, but they, like, this is their lifestyle. You go there and this is just the town, kind of like Salem is just this way all year round. New Orleans is just that way all year round. There is just a set of seminars you can go to to hone your skills as a practitioner or as a minister or whatever. I would actually be really interested to go to one of their services since they don't have a central text and since they don't, like, what would that be like? I don't know. Because, you know, I used to be able to recite the entirety of the Catholic uh, mass, except for the parts that changed every week, along with the priest. It was so highly ritualized and we all knew the book it was coming from and what our set of beliefs were. But in a religion that's supposedly like so personal and doesn't have a central text and has a very loose set of beliefs, what on earth could a church service be like? I don't know. It sounds sounds fascinating. Yeah. To St. Louis. To St. Louis. Well, so where, where can people find us when we are not traveling across the country to learn more about spiritualism and by driving to St. Louis? Well, we're not doing that anytime soon because uh, churches are one of the highest ways to get coronavirus. Yep. But you can find us on Twitter at OnTheTestPod. That is the place we are most active. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OnTheTestPod. You can find us on Instagram at OnTheTestPod. Maybe remind us on Twitter to use that, to use Instagram sometimes. Yep. And you can find us at OnTheTestPod.com. We are always happy to talk to you. So send us a message. It's uh, mostly me using it. Sometimes Austin jumps on. So it'd yeah. be me you're talking to. And I have a, I have a soft little heart to so be nice. Yes. Um, speaking of, also leave us a rating and a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That really, really does help us get out there. It helps people find us. And if you don't like us, you don't have to. No one's making you do that. No one no one says you legally have to leave a review afterwards. And also, if you don't like us, how did you make it to this far in this episode? Yeah, this is like, we're like 17 hours into this. Yeah, we live in front of this microphone. It's true. We just talk in front of this microphone for like all week. We just do this for an entire week. Then I sit down and I edit it down into something semi-comprehensible. We actually have joked about just carrying a microphone around the house because we were both like, we're a lot funnier when we're not talking about things we've researched. Yes. <laughs> No, we're still funny, damn it. But like, we are funnier when we are not on the spot. So I guess... Bitch, please, I'm funny all the time. Yeah. So I guess like, give us lots of reviews so we can do this professionally and just record ourselves 24-7 and you can hear how brilliant we are. Wait, can you imagine like... We could be a reality show. We could be a re- the first ever 24-hour reality podcast. Well, like we'd have we'd both quit our jobs and we could or never we could poop do it again. On, or we could do it on a weekend. 
Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be 24 hours. Seven, just like 24 hours, like one day a week. Where we just talk nonstop. No, you guys will get to listen to a whole lot of us watching Supernatural and me saying, psh, that's not nearly bloody enough. Or, wait, that's not how the blood would come out. Or watching Forensic Files and me going, that's not how you kill somebody and get away with it. You wouldn't, there would not be nearly that much blood coming out of his mouth after he got killed that way. It's like, you act, she says this stuff like she's done it. Okay, no, no, I said that there would eventually be that much blood coming out of his mouth, just not that quickly. It takes a while for the blood to start coming out of your mouth. So, um, remember, if I die mysteriously, <laughs> you're my witnesses. And I guess on that note, class Life dismissed. Class dismissed. Class dismissed. Class dismissed. Class dismissed. <laughs>